When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Just can't hide it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm still on my Usher high. Oh, okay. She's like like, uh, SpongeBob. I'm ready. We just watched the Super Bowl and we saw the Chiefs win in overtime. But Mm. apparently SpongeBob was there singing Sweet Victory at some fucking point. I guess it was at the start of the game, which we didn't see. Oh, yeah, we missed that. Oh, okay, so that did happen. That's not like a joke. Oh, I know. I thought you were saying that it did happen. Oh, I'm right. saying. I, I swear it, somebody I mean, it, said it. It was, a, it was a headline that was supposed to happen. I'm kind of glad I did miss it because I would have been just like, what the fuck? I figured you'd be hyped. You like SpongeBob. I know. You like SpongeBob. Uh, the, the the young kid in me would be like, that's so cool. The, the uh, old man in me now is like, what the fuck? fuck are we doing here we need cameron's opinion on the camera loves spongebob and football this is who we need to ask <laughs> oh the microphone is hot y'all so I love this SpongeBob. Is being like it's hot 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 fire that spongebob was cool like i said i, I don't dislike Sp- i ain't watched it in a very long time but as a kid i yeah, did it's watch been a very long time <laughs> i saw the first movie never saw any of the other ones so that's where I, my cutoff oh, date yeah. is around the movie period funny thing is i think the the that spongebob movie is supposed to be how the show actually ends. They were wrong. All right, they were what? Wrong! <laughs> there you go. That's, I guess that's money. what everything's supposed to lead up to. All right, but Chris, we're going to get into this movie because I know it's late for you over there. Let's get into that theme music. He did the trumpet. Did you see that, folks? <laughs> did, oh, you didn't see it because it's on video. Patreon, you did. Patreon.com slash home So don't go away. What's going on, everybody? I'm Brent. Chris. Anita. And this is the home video hustle where we do what, Christopher? H-U-S-D-L-E hustle. Motherfucking hustle. Mm. God damn it. Like I said in the last episode, it's not a Black History Month without Spike Lee. That's true. And this is one of the ones we kind of, we skipped over this one. We did She Gotta Have It. We did School Days. We've done Do The Right Thing, but we skipped over Mo' Better Blues. And there's a reason for it. Me and PJ back in the day always wanted to do this movie. He just never picked it out the bag because me and PJ have had high disagreement about certain things in this film. Mm. I Maybe I'll try and call him, but I'm sure he won't answer at this time. Then again, I don't know. Last time I called him, it was one o'clock in the morning. He was up making dinner. 
So maybe he'll be awake. We might have to call and see, but we'll do that later once we get to the controversy. Because I'm very curious to see if I'm by my own self on this. If all of us are in agreement or if there's one outlier. Mm. We shall mm-hmm. see. Knows. But this is episode 337. Mo Better Blues. And I always fuck this up because the title is technically Mo Better, Mo Blues, Better Blues. But I always write it as Mo Better Blues. Oh, wow. That's what I thought it was. I'm pretty sure that's probably what it was. And maybe, I don't know, Spike Lee or somebody was like, at the last minute, you know, let's do Mo Better. We got, we got the Mo in there. We can't do both. We want white folks to come see this movie too, folks. <laughs> it came out in 1990, one year after Do the Right Thing. It's two hours and 10 minutes long. How much y'all think this cost to make after Do the Right Thing blew the fuck up? You think mm. Universal gave him some budget? Maybe. It is also nineteen. Right thing blew up. I said, do the right thing blew up. It did. Yeah, back in the nineties, they were giving out money for stuff that made money. But they also aren't spending a shitload of money either, like today. I'm gonna say to the millions. What was it in the double digits? Give me a shot, and I'll tell you. Or Lex Luthor will tell you if you're wrong. Uh, fifteen. What do you think, Chris? I was gonna say fifteen, but I'll go twelve. Twelve. You got lucky because the volume was turned down, but I'll do it again. Because no! both of you were wrong. And uh, who said 12? Was that you, Chris? I did. You were closer. Go a little bit lower. 11 million? Nine. Damn it. Wrong! Ten. Ten million. Your PG. You said, you said a little lower. I, I'm thinking very slightly lower. I always get those two confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that. Sorry, dog. Don't worry about it. How much you think it made? Hmm. There's some names in here that... Black names, though. Black names. And you know, then, they weren't paying us as much as they was paying everybody else, though. I'm going to say 37 mil. 37. You said 10? It cost 10. I'll say 25. 25. Anita was closer. Go lower. Uh, Here, the hint, it did make his money back, but how much more did it make is the question. Tw- I'm going to say 20 mil even. 20. I'll say 22. 22? Wrong! 16 million dollars not a big hit like do the right thing but that's the only thing with this movie is that do the right thing is one of those movies where it's like how the fuck do you do something after that yeah that's a monstrous fucking movie to try and follow up on and i and he won't even have that big a hit again until malcolm x because in between do the right thing was this and then jungle fever and then malcolm x so there was a little period there is i had to work back up again because do the right thing was a fucking beast and it still is I want to say this is my only my like third or fourth uh, Spike Lee movie I've seen. You've seen Do the Right Thing and what else? I forgot we did huh? School Days together, so I know you watched yeah. that one. If, you, if I had a list, I would know it from a list. Ah, yeah. That's fine. Don't worry about it. It's cool. But I do need you to tell me what this got on IMDb out of 10. It was something point seven out of 10, actually, with 13,489 votes. Something point seven. 7.7? 7.7. <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fucking with you. Seven. Oh, IMDb. Yes, this is out of ten. Yeah, whatever. Something points on. Six. Six point seven. Somebody was right. Who y'all think it was? It was Anita. Anita is right. Six point seven out of ten. From the, the cr- crowd. The crowd. It's from the critics. I saw the Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's right. She she cheated. That's right. Well, technically, I was on the screen, but you looked. Oh, Chris, but you looked. Out of one hundred percent from the critics, what do you think the critics thought about Mo Better Blues? Um, looking down at my notes, I actually did write Mo Better B E T T A. (laughs) (laughs) The critics probably saw it was pretty good. I'm gonna say seventy two. 
You know what? Very slightly lower, Chris. So I get the button. 71. Thank you. You know, you technically PJ. 71% from the critics. Now, both of you can do this one because the audience score. What do you think the audience thought about this movie? You think they liked it? Hmm. 81. Audience themselves? 81. Wrong! It's lower than 81. Mm. It's not far off from the first one. I'll say that. Oh. I'm going to say 73. I'm going to say. Wrong! It's a little higher than that. You want to try it one more time? 75? 75% from the audience. Anita's killing it today, folks. I, I was thinking 75. I just let her. I just said. You, I tell you this ahead. every week, Christopher. You got to go with it, man. Mo Better Blues is directed, produced, and written, and starring Spike Lee. But everybody else. Yeah, he's, all, he's got his prints all over it. <laughs> oh, you, can, and you know he wrote that part for himself because he called himself Giant. So he knew who was playing that part. It is starring Denzel Washington, Spike Lee, Wesley Snipes, Cinder Williams, Joie Lee, Joy Lee, whatever. If you go by the In Living Color sketches, Joy Lee, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Robin Harris, Bill Nunn, John Turturro, and Dick Anthony Williams, a.k.a. Pretty Tony from The Mac. So, question. Answer. Is it Robin Harris's last movie? Yes, because I, they put the dedication at the end. Well, no. I was like, was it this or Bebe's Kids? Bebe's Kids came out posthumously after he was dead when it came out, I'm pretty sure. But that okay. technically, I think, came out. Let's find out. I was forgot about Bebe's Kids for a quick second. I couldn't second. remember if, it was, if, if, if this came out first or Bebe's Kids. I'm pretty sure this came first. Bebe's Kids is 1990. Yeah, nineteen ninety two. So it's two years after this. They pop, yeah, they put he probably was in the studio recording before he died. Yeah, I was like, you know, that's all animation, so they can just use clips and whatever he recorded beforehand. So yeah, nah, this is I'm pretty sure this is his last actual acting thing. Did anyone look up any trivia? Live action. No, I'm about to though. Oh, she's looking at the trivia. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Well, oh, this is gonna be a fun one, actually. Who remembers how Mo Better Blue started? It started very differently i'll say oh it was like little colorful scenes like outlining the instruments or something. no 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 it's no? something before that normally i always joke and say like oh the titles came but there is actually something before that oh if either one of you remember it was a quote from uh can't remember the name off the top of my head was it a quote or was that the end there was there's a quote at the end nothing off the top of my head only thing that strikes me, uh, it comes to me, is what they started in Brooklyn in 1969. Or what? No love for Flavor Flav? Oh, Flavor Flav. Oh! <laughs> oh. That bu- you were talking about that bullshit. That bullshit. Hold on, hold on. Let me play. I'm going to play it for them so they can know what I'm talking about. Because this came out during the Universal 75th anniversary, so it has all the different Universal openings and everything, which I always loved those tapes that came on like this as a kid. Yo, Spike, start the movie, G. <laughs> Yo, Spike, start the movie, G. Flavor Flav, you've done it again. <laughs> there you go. That's how it started. What, Chris, why you say it started on some bullshit? You don't like Flavor Flav at the beginning? It, it, I, it's not that I didn't like Flavor Flav. I just was laughing at the whole time. Like, <laughs> damn, this. That's I, hilarious. I, I remember when I first watched this movie, I was hype. I was like, oh, shit. And it's funny because this ain't really a comedy at all either. That's like you get to laugh in before the drama yeah. commences. It was a little mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> I love it. I don't care, man. 
And then you get your opening titles like Anita said, what now? Oh, it's like jazz music playing and they're like outlining the different instruments. It's Terrence Blanchard and Bill Lee and Branford Marcellus playing. I'm pretty sure they did the whole sound. I have this soundtrack somewhere. I don't know. It's not mm-hmm. I have it on CD somewhere. I actually I love this soundtrack. It's actually one of the things that got me into actual jazz music was this fucking movie too. So shout I mean, out to that. I don't blame you. This it this soundtrack is is mwah, just kiss. And you got the gang star song on there that plays during the end credits too, which is even better. Then you got the hip hop in there too. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Go check that out. But the movie starts in Brooklyn, 1969. Give me one more time. <laughs> And there's a little homie in there. You find out this is the main character. His name is Bleak Gilliam. Bleak. And every time I hear them say that name, all I can think is your boy Major Payne, Chris. When he was fucking <laughs> with the chubby kid and he was like over there laughing. He went over to him and said, Bleak, 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 Bleak. You find something funny there, fat boy? Or whatever he said to him. That's all I think when I hear the name Bleak. It's I have been. That's a blast from the past. I see Major Payne. That might here. be something to throw on the motherfucking episodes one day. But he, he's in there trying to play the trumpet. And Pops... Is a pretty Tony, like I said, Dick Anthony Williams, and they're watching the baseball game. But Mama is like, nah, fuck that, because his little homies come up, and I think Anita said we watching the movie like, like no kids talk like this. Oh my it's, gosh, I, no! It literally sounded like Spike Lee talking out of out of out of um out of Bleak's mouth when he was saying this shit. It's well, yeah, the Bleak for sure, but the group of kids sound just like the group of kids from fucking Do the Right Thing. But those were like teenagers with Martin Lawrence and them down there. And the girly mm-hmm. and shit. That it just sound like them, but this same dialogue coming out of like eight year olds, right? Which again, and especially in the black neighborhood, especially if it's supposed to be the sixties, yeah. somebody even if it ain't your mama, somebody mama whooping your ass to hear you talking like that, <laughs> right? Like the, get, the little kids didn't bother me as much as, as Bleak himself as a little kid. Talk that's literally. Like line for line, sound like something Spike Lee himself would be saying to a little, saying as a little kid. I was worried for him because there was, a, I mean, when he's talking to the friends, I guess that's one thing. But then he was going in there and he was talking back to mom because dad even had to come out. I think dad had the same feeling I did. Like he about to get murdered. Like yeah. his mom was in there about to fuck him up. He came over. He's like, "Hey man, look, hey son, just do the motherfucking thing real quick, and you let you go play with your friends after that." I don't want to do it. But to be honest, if I was that little kid, I, I'd have probably thrown the trumpet down myself and, and walked away. And mama would have. Beat that ass. <laughs> she Probably. She was an asshole mama. She was, was, an, she was an asshole. She, mm-hmm. It's okay for you to try to instill some kind of, you know, skill or, you know, whatever in your child, but let the boy They still got to be a kid. Yeah. It almost has the reverse to say because then you try for them, they don't want to do it. You're actively making them not want to do this shit no more. Ask me how I know that. Uh-huh. Same here. <laughs> Ask me how I know that. Because now it's like, now fuck you. I don't want to do, fuck this shit. I'm going to purposely do it bad now. Mm-hmm. Like Again, I won't go into detail, but I, I felt for, that. <laughs> for the opposite fact that mama told you, you can't do something because it's for one reason or another. You want to do it anyway. Yeah, now I was like, oh, fuck that. I'm going to do it now. That's You got to have that motherfucking reverse psychology. You got to have mind control over Debo, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But it ends up working out because you just flash ahead and he's actually playing with his, uh, his group. It was the Bleak Gilliam Quintets. And they're playing at a club. I can't remember the name of the club right now, but it's ran by John Turturro and his brother. And they're in there playing and doing everything. But you find out immediately that him and his saxophone player, what was my man's name? I know it's Wesley Snipes. Shadow, thank you. They got beef. Because Shadow out there trying to make a name for himself. Bleak Gilliam, as you find out at the end of the movie, got records and all kind of shit been playing for a while. And he's like, it's my time. I want some shine Mm -hmm. out here. So he's stepping up doing saxophone solos. Which I would prefer anyway, because I like the saxophone better than the trumpet. But that's mm-hmm. just me. 
And then they go backstage, and of course they beefing because he like, man, you out here grandstanding, you doing too much. This is the motherfucking bleak Gilliam Quintet. You want to do that shit? Start your own motherfucking group, motherfucker. And then while that's going on, you got Robin Harris out there, pretty much just doing his own had, thing. What's I've up? always wondered which one has more range, uh, or, or and takes more skill, the trumpet or saxophone. Anita, do you know you're the one that played instruments here? If I'm giving my personal opinion, and this is not, I don't know this for sure. This is just from my like elementary to middle school band. The trumpet, the breathing on it is a lot harder. Than I was, that's what I thought. I was saying it during the movie too. I was even pointing out because I was like with the saxophone, like when you watch like Najee or somebody playing a saxophone, like they look calm. They just like, mm, they look cool. That's why there was always the cool instrument to play as a saxophone. Man, you look at like Louis Armstrong and them on the trumpet, they look like they about to pass the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cheeks all puffed work. up and the shit, control, all that. Yeah, yeah. So it probably yeah. That's why I, was, I pointed that out too. I'm like, it's probably harder. Because I also had a friend in elementary school who um, played the saxophone, and I saw I saw that in his room. I was like, man, uh, you must have some good breath control because he had that. He was uh, doing some. He played soccer and he had like did martial arts too. He was just all He's over the place. Mm-hmm. I will say maybe that's the pro and the con. It's like the trumpet. It takes a lot of breath control and like wins your ass, but it's a lot lighter. The saxophone is a lot heavier, but I guess mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to blow into. So I guess that's the give and take with the saxophone and the trumpet. Right. But it's all good though. Like I said, he like, this is my motherfucking group, so quit that shit. <laughs> Next morning, he wakes up in bed with a girlie named Indigo, played by Joy Lee, Spike Lee's real life sister. And I told Anita, I'm like, when she, I bet the conversation when she was like, hey man, I'm about to do this movie. I need you in it again. And you're going to be love interest for Denzel Washington. How fast did she accept that role? <laughs> Anita, how fast would you was, accept that role? You get to this, have a sex Bill, scene did, there. Did Denzel have a name back, back, at, this, back oh, at this time yeah, in 1990? He yeah, he did. And he was fine as hell. Yeah, he had the glory that came out at this point too. So he had already mm. been nominated. So yeah, no, he wasn't there. Mm. This is the first time him and Spike Lee worked together though. <laughs> She's back there making noises now in the background. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess it's not Denzel. I was like, How, would you fuck with this Denzel or would you fuck with Bleak? Don't answer that fully yet. But <laughs> I, I have, I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> we gonna get? Oh, actually, here coming up in the next scene. Like I said, he woke up with Indigo in the bed, and she told him she was like, "You a dog." She's like, "You might be a nice dog, slightly obedient dog, but motherfucker, you a dog." And you are gonna find out why she's calling him that. Actually, probably in this same scene because after she leaves, his pops comes by. And I, I'm guessing the mom is either passed away or just not in the picture you never see her again. Mm-hmm. But you see him and his dad got a tight relationship and they're out there playing catch with one another. And his, his dad is telling him, he's like, man, when you going, what are you doing with all these girls, man? So you already know right there from that point, he, okay, this, that ain't his girl. That's just a girl he fuck with. So that's going to be mm-hmm. an issue. And he's telling him, he's like, we you going to settle down with the girl. There you go. Getting all like I was telling you, I think we said at a point, I was like, there's all your things of the movie are coming out, like back to back to back. <laughs> Pretty much. Like you need to settle yeah, down, you need to quit fucking with all these different girls, and you need to focus. He's like, I I want I don't want you to I don't want you to have a a, a baby before you marry a girl. Like I'm tired of seeing these six year old girls out here uh mm-hmm. having one baby but uh, uh on the way with the, on the way with a second one, just rolling with a stroller. And by themselves, no daddy. Mm-hmm. This all comes back later. So that whole scene is going to pretty much tell you the whole ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. But you find out right now that your man's is on that dog shit. Because then he's practicing and a woman named Clark comes by. And he's pissed because he's like, what time is it? So she's like, it's one o'clock. He's like, you know, I practice at one o'clock for at least an hour. So why are you disturbing me? And she talks her way up there any motherfucking way. Because he's going to let her in. You already know he's going to let her in. He wasn't going to let her in. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. 
So she comes up there and she's telling him, I think this is the first time you hear it in the movie, but Spike Lee is his homeboy in this movie. He plays a character named Giant. And everybody is telling him that he Giant ain't shit. You need to drop that motherfucker. Everybody's telling him that. And I'm pretty sure she's the first one to do it. And he's like, that's my man. I can't drop my mans, bro. But I can mm-hmm. drop these pants and give you this dick. Pretty much. And that's what he does. And that's one thing about Cinder Williams, too. This is her first movie. And young Brent gives a, you know, years later round of applause to Cinder Williams because every movie she in, she get naked and get fucked. And young Brent appreciated that very much. And, and young <laughs> dick. Because we, tell, huh? we've talked about her before. She was actually in one of my absolute favorite black movies. It's a movie called Caught Up. Reviewed it mm-hmm. way back. I already gave it a high review before, and I'm doing it again years later. Go watch Caught Up. But Mo Better Blues, though, yeah, was, well, I mean, they fuck. I mean, that's the scene right there. They had the sex scene. Mm-hmm. So after that, oh, no, 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 no. Important here. Because when I first saw this, I thought this was going to lead to something major in this movie. But she getting too freaky with him, and she bites on that motherfucker's lip. Mm-hmm. Huge no-no, because as he's going to say, I make my living with my lips. He's very, what's the word for it? He's very, I don't know. I don't protective. Like, thank you. I was about to say, like, passionate about it, but very protective of his lips. He does this little thing, the homie, where he, like, rubs across his lips multiple fucking times. Like, he look. you ain't noticed that? I didn't that? even notice that. You really, you didn't notice I that? I did. I noticed it. Okay, I'm like, I know it ain't just me, because he, de- like, it's a lot of times, like, in serious moments, or, like, maybe in, like, contemplative, like, some moments, or, like, when shit's it's, going down, he does that little right across his like lips. A, at first, I couldn't tell if it was like a nervous tick or if he just like, yeah. he's literally obsessive about his lips. I think, I think it's both. I was about to say nervous tick is perfect the way I was trying to describe it. I think it's a nervous tick and that because he does it a lot. Especially like the one scene I remember seeing it the most is at the end. I won't spoil too much. But at the end when he's walking up to the stage to try and play again with the homies, he does that shit right before he gets up on the stage with his lips. Mm-hmm. But at that point... The lips are even worse than they are now. But again, I, we'll get to. I that. noticed it in the scene in the scene um, coming up too when um, he's talking with um, Giant about some um, coming up. I'm shocked you didn't notice that, especially as much as you was probably looking at him the whole movie. I didn't. I was also very sleepy. When we were That's true. Well, I actually have a Anita note for the next scene, so she'll talk about a little bit this one. But you find out immediately that Giant got a problem. Giant got a gambling problem. <laughs> and he's hanging out with the bookie played by Ruben Blades and he's making bets. And my Anita note here is, and I quote from Anita, he gonna die. <laughs> I, thought <he> <laughs> I thought so too. I'm not gonna lie. I thought so too. <laughs> we'll see. Be Ricky moment. Uh, yeah. Ricky. Well, at least he wasn't. Well, no, actually that was gambling too. I think about it, he was scratching lottery tickets. <laughs> Black people quit playing the lottery if you got people trying to kill you. That's what they're saying. <laughs> But he ends up getting to the front door of the club there, and I immediately got hyped because you get to see Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy at the front door, and I think honestly, him and the homie out. Well, the homie was actually he. He sounds scripted. Charlie Murphy don't sound scripted, which and I wouldn't Charlie be surprised. Say whatever the fuck he wanted. Exactly, like. and it worked because it was funny. I was laughing. Mm-hmm. The homie Giancarlo, his his name is they call him Left Lefty or something. He's late. He's always late. The whole movie he's gonna be late. He's not only late this time, but he comes to the backstage area. With his French girl, he dating a French white girl. And so you already know that that ain't going to help the cause now because they start blazing him. Because she's back there like fucking with his little outfit on. And they're like, hey, man, can you step out real quick? We got to talk. And she's like, oh, okay, just give me one minute. And, like, and I think at one point, John was like, man, get the fuck out of the motherfucking room or something like that. And mm-hmm. then she finally leaves. And then they harass the shit out of him about being late. And then they harass shit out of him. Be like, oh, you fucking with that white girl. And then they start trying to, because they got a bunch of like 
on like oh. porno pictures and shit yeah. of black girls with their booties out and they like fucking them, taping them to his mirror and he's like throwing them on the ground and shit. And he's like, your boy left. He's like, didn't he try to crazy. call her black at some point? He's like, that is he's my like, Nubian queen or some shit. What uh, did he, he say, Chris? I think he said, no, um, it ain't, she ain't even French. She's from, she from Queens. No, he said she a sister. Oh, she a sister. That's yeah. what she said. And that's when they was like, what? Oh, yeah, because that's when they put the little thing on his mirror. It's like, no, that's a sister. And they had the naked black chick with her buddy boot out and shit. Her boot out. Booty out. <laughs> Booty. Booty. There used to be a thing back in the day when you when you was a band, you was late. They'd start finding your ass for being late. Oh, yeah. Didn't, wasn't that a thing? No, that wasn't the Fire Beast. There's something I Contagions. watched. Thank you. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I confuse those two things all the time for some reason. Two oh, shout separate. out to Code 45. They're doing the Five Heartbeats this week. That's <gasps> right. Yeah, I can't wait to listen. That's right. And self-promotion. You can hear us talk about it. We did it last Black History Month. So yep, you, get yep. to, you get to do a double feature if you want to. Right. Giant, though. Spike Lee's character. He's the manager of the group. He's Bleak's manager. And he's trying to renegotiate the deal. Because when they started at this club ran by John Turturro and his brother... They probably just took whatever the deal was they could get just to get some money coming in. But now they bigger. They selling out. The house is full every damn night now. So they're like, mm-hmm. yo, we need to talk terms again. And your boy is like, uh, no. Y'all signed a contract. Yo, this is binding, it motherfucker. should be an expiration date on that contract for them to renegotiate. So It should be. But I'm sure them motherfuckers didn't read it either. So they probably don't even know when that date is. Mm-hmm. Cause I can see Spike Lee's character not reading any of the fine print whatsoever. Exactly. And you also find out later on in the movie that... The lawyers and everybody he hires are all relatives. He's like, oh, I got a baby mama, cousin, father, or some shit like that that's a lawyer. And that's what even was. I know what it's not, but even Dizzle watched that at one point. He's like, man, no. Fuck your family. Like, fuck like, your family. Family. <laughs> like, your, like, your, like your father-in-law still, uh, still messed up my fucking teeth. Like I still got some shit back there. That's right. So he's like, nah, I'm done fuck with your family, dog. And you, but we'll get to that later. So that fails miserably. And he leaves Indigo waiting at the... Because Indigo... So the Spike Lee's uh, sister does not like going to the club. Don't like the environment. Don't like all the people. Don't like the smoke. None of that. So mm-hmm. I appreciate your music, but I'm not going over there to watch that shit. And he right? left her ass waiting. And he like, well, what now? No, it wasn't raining or nothing. That's the end of the movie. But she was just outside. She's like, you left me waiting. He's like, oh, no, it's all good, baby. Here's some dick. <laughs> dick for you. Dick for you. Dick for you. It's a D-I-C-K thing. Your life. Some penis. Penis. Just some penis. Penis for you. Dick, 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 dick. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Your boy Giant. While that's going on. Making more bets. He lost those first bets, but now he's making more. And this time he was doing 200 on each team. Now he's doing 500 on each team. Yeah, addiction. Yes, yeah, real bad. You've been losing like a motherfucker and you up it? <laughs> you asking, like, that's why I feel no sympathy for this dude later because you fucking yourself up, play boy. Mm. You asking to get shot. Exactly. He, well, he don't get out. Well, we'll get to it. So many mm. thoughts. You want to get him out now or you want to wait? <laughs> No, we can wait. We can okay. wait. We can wait. Uh, oh, I did laugh because there's a scene where d- he's basically doing his rounds with the group. He does something for Denzel's character, but then he goes to hang out. He takes a record back to Wesley Snipes that uh, Bleak had been holding on to. And Wesley Snipes is like, hey, before you leave, uh, let me get your opinion on something. And he got him in there sniffing bed sheets because he was, I guess, cheating on his main girl. Which actually, now I think about it, it's kind of crazy because he's going to hook up with a girl later. And he never actually do see this girl he was talking never to. Never see her. So I this thought about that never too. Never see her though. Waste of time because it didn't matter anyway. But for now though, he's got him in there trying to sniff sheets and see if it smells like perfume or not. Whereas I was like, just wash the damn sheets. And Anita was like, just don't cheat. And I was like, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was saying the whole time. Just like, 
why are you even going through all this shit? This is why it's not it's not worth it for me because it's too much work. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't about that doing that shit. That's ex- I said the exact work. same thing when we watched it. I'm like, this is why I never do all the type of shit because it is way too much. No, actually, this scene sh- the, there's another scene later that really shows like, no, this is way too much work. But it shouldn't <laughs> be that much work. Okay, I'm just gonna oh point. And <laughs> he let's get it. And maybe I read into this wrong, so tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, but it seems like Bleak made. It very clear that he is with multiple women and that is his choice. And if you want to get down with him, understand that he's with multiple women. Yes, he's so, a poly or polyamorous. There you go. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, whatever, whatever what he is. wants to call it. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they both knew that up front and they still decided to do that. They do both seemingly know about each other. They, they both, do know about yeah, They're asking each other by name too, so they know their names. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, you made a choice. I don't think he forced them in to do it. This is why you, you can't trust it. Like, mm-hmm. motherfucker, Public Enemy tried to tell you this. You can't trust it. Well, by the end, you'll find out one of them actually does care about him. Uh, the other one's kind of just a side piece. Honestly, to be real, I think they both they did both care about him. about him. One just wasn't willing to put up with his shit, and the other one did, which she is absolutely crazy for. Uh-oh. But mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, I think because the next scene coming up, actually, he's he's just got done smashing Clark again. And she's like trying to talk to him. And she's like, hey, you know, I've been working on my singing and shit. And, you know, I've been, I think I can contribute to the group. You know, we can That's do some different thinking. shit. Like Clark's more of a, trying to be more of a, trying to more of a, try to get in more than, more than try, actually caring about him. I didn't take it that way, though. I didn't take it that I way. didn't take it as like she's like using him or like groupy shit. I felt like she genuinely was like, hey, I can use my skills to help you out. And he took it the way that you saying, I think, Chris, because he's like, oh, well, you can go sing with somebody else. He's like, we good, basically. Yeah, he's basically like, I'm not about to give you no handouts. And she's like, I didn't ask for no handouts. I'm saying I can fucking sing for you and get on the stage and get on tour or whatever the fuck with you. And he's like, nah, nah, we good. We the quintet. We don't need nobody else. Could be attributed to somebody also blowing her head up about being a good singer, too. We'll get there, though. That's right. Well, it's the point where... He just completely tunes her out. You see pretty much how his mind works because she's going, well, at first he leaves the room and he goes to, I think it's piano and he's like doing a little, like humming and shit. And she's talking in the background. Bringing notes together in his head. Yeah. And while she, and as she's talking, you start hearing her fade out. Like it starts going like, she's like, blah, 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 blah. He probably learned how to tune that shit like that out when he was talking to his mama. Probably. Hey, they all go back to that mama probably. I didn't think about that, but you're probably right. Mama was on some bullshit, but he completely turns her to tunes her the fuck out, and she ends up. I think she gets to the point and walks away is what ends up happening. He ends up like trying to compose a whole new song, but meets up with the homies before the show again, and Wesley is like, "Hey, uh, we need some more motherfucking money. We want to get paid. Look at how many people out there right now. Your boy Giant is fucking up. He's like, yeah, the idea we had was cool, but it's like we got more people here, and we doing better business." Mm-hmm. So we need to get a better cut of that business. He said. He said the same thing. Uh, Giants trying, but they 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 fucking him around with this contract. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we need a better manager. I would say maybe we need to get rid of Giant again. Everybody since that early scene, everybody is telling him to get rid of Giant, <laughs> and he doesn't. He ends up doing a performance anyway. Like they, I guess they get cool enough. To everybody professional enough to be like, look, we got beef, but we gonna go perform. But he performs a song that he made, the song that he actually made while he was tuning girly as a song called Pop Top 40. And it's just, it's kind of like, a, what would you call it, like a slam poetry, yeah. jazz thing? Word. 
Spoken word. There you yeah. go. That's what I was trying to think of. Because he's going on about you know songs on the radio. I hear people talking about love. L O V E love. And how mm-hmm. then he starts, he does a whole flavor flave impersonation with the backwards cap on and everything. And him and Wesley Snipes, like I said, you know, they was just beefing. They but they both dancing on Chase stage and like dapping each other up and laughing and everything, like doing the performance. <laughs> and I love that little performance he does. Right at the there. end of the day, they they still brothers. He just Wesley starting to care more about his pockets. Wesley wants some motherfucking money. I, it's like I be telling people at my job, black folks don't play about their money. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about none of that other bullshit. We be right. cool after you pay me. It's like that scene where you ain't seen Goodfellas yet. But when he, when the main character was describing one of the uh, other main characters, he's like, his whole personality is, I don't give fuck you, pay me. He's like, oh, your fucking car broke down? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you got to buy your kids something from school? Fuck you, pay me. Pay. God damn it. I don't give a fuck about none of that other shit. Give me my motherfucking money. Then we be cool after that. Damn it. I got short Goodfellas one day, Chris. Yo, have you never seen it? I think I've seen pieces. Oh, okay. It's it's coming, believe me. But mm-hmm. uh, Bleak actually goes and tries to talk to his owner, the owners himself. And at first, they're all like, like all the point, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we love you, man. You bring all the people here. But uh, yeah, no, you're not getting out of that contract. This, see, like, you see this shit right here? This legally bonding, baby. And if you try and break it, I'll sue your punk ass. Don't they even tell him to get rid of Oh, they, that's too? right. They're, they're, they they also give it say. Give too. Yeah, because they trying to get them on. He's like, man, man, get rid of your boy. And he's like, because he's like, I got a brother or some shit. He's like, man, he get you all kind of money out here. Another shyster for you. And he like, nah. I got brother-in-law like, yeah, I could get up with. And then this scene right here is when, the, in my opinion, when the movie like really picks up. Because there's the next night at the bar. And the whole thing, like I told you earlier, Indigo don't like coming to the club. But she about to come to the club. Rocking a bright-ass red dress. At the same time that Clark... Comes into the club, same time, with the no, not the same bright red dress. Not even a bright, just the same exact And who one. gave them the dress? Bleak. And See, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it is. And that's one thing Giant even said. Giant was like, look, when we went to, out there to France, I told you, don't buy the same dress. He's like, but you was rushing to all we was going to miss the plane. And your goofy ass bought the same dress saying, oh, there's no chance. Then he was like, you even bet me. That there's no chance that they'll never be in the same place at the same time with the same dress on. He's like, you owe me 50 bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks. 50 bucks. <laughs> and he does give it to him. He's like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he's, then he looks at him. He's like, all right. You can tell he's nervous, but he's like, tries to play it out. He's like, watch me work. You, he's like, what you about to do about this? But watch. before he even gets out there, mm-hmm. what's his name? Is Shadow out there. Swooped in. Like the work from Clark. Oh, yeah. Because why? Because he goes to Indigo first. And she like noticing, like sweep over there, and he sat with her and was like trying to game her up. And at the same time, Shadow is dirty macking to an extreme level. Yeah. And if you don't know what dirty macking is, it's basically going over there and shitting on the dude that you know they fucking with, purposely trying to get them to sway on your side instead. Dirty mm-hmm. macking. Ice Cube made a whole song talking about this shit. But that's what he over there. He like, man, you know, Bleak only care about himself, man. He never. When it come to him, it's always gonna be him first and everything else second. The music will always come before you. He's like, you fuck with me. I'm look. I'm about to start my own thing here soon, and I might need somebody to sing. And I think y'all got just a part for you in the band. So come fuck with your boy. And she's like, ah, nah. At the time, he's like, get away from me, basically. And at the same time, your girl Indy goes over to talking to Denzel or to Bleak, like. Yeah, yeah, you ain't expect to see me here, huh? You about pissed yourself when you looked over here and saw me. And she's like, hey, how's Clark doing? She's like, I like that dress she wearing. And your boy, I always laugh at this part because your boy bleak down. You can, see, you can see the gears trying to move. He can't think of shit to say. <laughs> right? <laughs> she peeped uh, Clark out immediately with the dress on. 
Nay, because you it's hard not to notice that bright red ass dress on somebody. And again, yeah, like Anita cool. said, she they have to know about each other because she saw the dress, but did she knew who was wearing that shit though? Mm-hmm. By name. By name. Right. That Jessica Rabbit ass dress. Man. <laughs> who framed Bleak Gilliam out here, motherfucker. <laughs> but I'd always laugh at this point too, because he just gets to a point where he just gets up and walks off. He like, he just, I can't I can't think of nothing. Fuck it. Like and, I, I, you got me, and it's grimy because he gets up and leaves her table to go directly over to sit with old girl. Too. It's like that. where she could visibly see him walk to go talk to her. No smoothness whatsoever. Like I don't know what the fuck you would have done in that situation, but that ain't what I would have done. I will say that. So it's all fucked up. And he even tells Clark, he's like, man, look, don't worry about... Because she points out the same exact things. Like, oh, it's Indigo and she got the same dress. And he's like, don't worry about that. He's like, man, look, all that matters at the end of the day is I'm leaving here with you. You the winner, basically. You are the chosen one. <laughs> so don't even worry about none of that other shit. And fuck Shadow, too. He ain't shit. <laughs> After this, though, this is the scene where I told you, Chris, I'm like, this is where it's like, nah, this is too much work. Because you get, I, I guess if you would call it like a dual sex scene, because it's Denzel yeah. fucking Indigo and Clark, not at the same time. It's cutting back and forth between them both fucking. And mm-hmm. in both instances, he fucks up and calls one the other's name. He calls Clark Indigo and he calls Indigo Clark. I didn't even catch it until, until they started going off on him about it. Oh, you didn't hear him say it? Mm-mm. Did you? I heard him say oh, okay. it. Okay, well, I always noticed it. But yeah, because I think it actually shows Clark first. he said first. Clark first and he called her Indigo. And she was like, what the fuck did you just call me? He's like, Oof. what, what? Oof. And yeah, anybody here ever have been in this situation before? No. Oh, Anita made a face. Uh-oh. I've messed up once. <laughs> you messed up once? I've messed up once. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I won't ask no details. I do I, I, I won't ask no details. I, fuck up. I don't think I have. At least I don't remember. But I've also never really fucked with multiple people like that at the same time either. So, same. <laughs> it wasn't like I was messing with someone else. It was literally I just called the person the wrong name. This should call something crazy, like oh Geralt. <laughs> <laughs> She's a fan of Henry Cavill and The Witcher. I'm That's a fan joke. of Geralt. Yeah. That's true. It's like she doesn't fuck with Henry Cavill. She fucks with Henry Cavill as Geralt. Yes. Yeah, but that shit's over now. Yeah. Damn, Chris, just way to shoot down the parade, bro. <laughs> like, I mean, you, you seen Argyle? That fucking film crew over too, mother. I mean, quick. Uh, <laughs> he's supposed to be doing I, a Warhammer I haven't movie. Seen it, but, hmm? I haven't seen it, but damn, he's over here trying to trying to be his his uh, do his be his best life because he wants to uh, get us. Uh, what was it? A uh, uh, Warhammer 40k movie going too? Well, that's the thing. Is Henry Cavill is just a big fucking nerd in real life, so. Mm-hmm. He'll always have something to fall back on. He can fuck around and probably be a Twitch streamer if the worst case scenario happens and just play Warhammer. But yeah, that would be hilarious. Would, would, if that happened with me and her, I would I wouldn't I would laugh so hard. Oh my gosh. I, don't laugh at that. That would be horrible. I would crack up. Because <laughs> then I start quoting Witcher video game quotes and you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Oh, if I called you girl. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> look, look, she's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> oh damn I thought you'd been calling you someone else's name oh, that would no. be horrible oh no I'll go choke that nigga okay <laughs> <laughs> that is the appropriate reaction okay like, like, girl to be like, funny who, that's a made up character <laughs> who we curb stomping that's right <laughs> look Chris right on Seth Rollins mode like who we stomping <laughs> oh shit but yeah it's it's bad man cause and I love this way the scene plays out because it's, it's just Denzel's facing the camera and like to his left or no it'd be to his right 
he's got Clark's voice coming, and then to his left, he's got Indigo's, and then they're kind of going back and forth. And there's one part he just like kind of stops and just looks into the camera, like "fuck, bro," like, <laughs> and then it keeps going after that, which is even funny. He had that mo- that moment you realize you fucked up. It was at this point he knew <laughs> he fucked up. <laughs> That's a bad one. Like that shit's scary. Like when it I remember the first time I saw this movie and he called him the wrong name. Like that made me. I was scared. I was like, oh, oh it's, shit. It's like when people feel like secondhand embarrassment and shit. <laughs> it's like when I saw that clip of Sukiyana talking about she's not a uh, magician. She confused, she's not a musician. She confused musician with magician, and I was like, I felt the most secondhand embarrassment I've ever felt in my fucking life, probably. Woof. <laughs> and she felt I'm I hope to God that, that was a that was staged. I hope that that was a stage. If that wasn't yeah. staged, then my God, bro. Like oof. but yeah, I love that. I do that's probably legitimately my favorite scene in this whole disrespect. movie. Disrespect. We're go, we're gonna disrespect Chris. What? What? Let's disrespect. Do- what? We're gonna D. What? I what? S what? R what? E what? S what? <laughs> E Oh hell yeah. I love that when you start doing that, Nita guy even walked away like here's the bathroom break. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's a rough scene, man. It's it's hard to watch, but it's like, man, but they both All he can do is just tune the shit out and get his truck uh, grab his trumpet and that's the thing yeah you can tell like that's his crutch whenever something goes wrong he goes back to the music like because in the last scene remember when the girl he was harassing about trying to be part of the group he went and started got on the piano and made a song when this happens he gets his trump he doesn't actually even play it he just reaches for it like he's going to i can't remember if it's this scene or not but it's pretty much like both of them are like i ain't fucking around in this bullshit just to be some little hang around some fuck but i'm trying to be the real deal and if you can't get with that then i'm gonna get out and he's that's, like well he told he told him that if you can't i he said, if you can't get with this shit, I'm and you oh. get out. He's like, if you can't hang, you know, then it is what it is. And they're both like, I can't hang. And they mm-hmm. both leave. So he just lost both of them at the same motherfucking time. At the same damn time. That's right. And I laughed because I remember I read y'all guys the description. And remember the description, it was like, he has to choose between two women. And Anita was like, well, what the fuck is going to happen? He can't choose between two women. They're both gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Choices will be made, though. Choices will be made. We'll talk about it. But um, he tells the next day he's talking to Giant and he's telling him like, man, you got to do better, bro. You my boy. You my manager. I got mad love for you, my dog. But you got to do better, dog. And right after he tells it, because I think this, yeah, this is when they're on the bicycles and they end up splitting off. And there's a there's a cool little nod to do the right thing here, because as he's going, as him and Bleak separate on the bicycles, he's going up the street. And somebody over the radio, you hear it's Mr. Senior Love Daddy. We love radio. That was uh, Samuel Jackson's character from Do the Right Thing, the disc jockey. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, as he's driving on the bicycle, somebody opens up their car door and flips him off of it. And one of the people in that car is fucking Samuel L. Jackson. He gets like a 20-minute cameo in this movie, a 15, 20-minute cameo. Important scene. Yeah, both are just an important character because he's going to change the whole ending of this fucking movie later on. <laughs> But yeah, it didn't, a, a scene that I knew Anita wouldn't like, she didn't catch what was happening at first because the dude in the front that's driving like does this thing, he pops his finger loose so it looks like it's broke. And he's I had like, to look away myself. Yeah, I did not. But he ends up breaking uh, Giant's fingers in the back because he's like, oh, you ain't got my money? Crack. Are they what? Crack. He does a two in the middle. Or, well, I think it's his first three because it looks like the rest of the movie he's got them all tied together. 
Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, next time it's going to be worse. Get me my motherfucking money. And I laugh because there's a scene where Giant is like going up to all the band members. They're having like a party or some get together, I think, or something. And he's like just holding his hat out. Need anything to help a brother out? And they're like, fuck no. Everybody's like, hell no. But then he gets to the homie uh, left, the Giancarlo. And Giancarlo does give him $500, even though his French chick tells him not to. And he's like, look, I need my money back. He's like, I got you, bro. He don't got you, bro. He ain't got you. You not getting that. Like, mom used to tell me, and granny used to tell me, like, don't get nobody no money you expect to get back. <laughs> that's exactly how I think, think about it all the time. Like, don't give nobody no money you expect to get back. Yeah, it's just like you're not getting it back. It's just raps. Mm-hmm. That's why people, like, I make mean, I borrow five dollars, just take the fucking just five dollars. Take the five. Take the five. Just, if it comes back to me, it comes back to me. If it doesn't, I've let it go with this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's why, especially with five hundred dollars, like if you gonna get that up with a nigga that's known for gambling and losing money, you might as well know that's not coming back. That's not coming back to you. But as this is going on, especially since, like I said, Anita was in the bathroom, but I told them that we had the part where they both left bleak. They're like, "Oh, if you can't hang, then get out." And they both like, "Bye," and we get the fuck out. So Shadow is trying to make his move now. They're over at Tower Records, and it's a fun nod to the nineteen nineties because. He's picking up a bunch of CDs, and I was telling Anita back in the day, they used to come in the long boxes. Mm-hmm. Don't really see that no more. So that was like a little blast from the past right there. Back in the, when the PlayStation first came out, they actually came in long boxes like that, too. Those are actually collectible now. So if you see one of those, they're probably more expensive. But he's trying to holler at um, Clark, and he's like flashing. He's like, oh, I got American Express gold car, baby. Like, go ahead and swipe that. And she's like, hey, you got declined. I got to take I got to confiscate your card. He like, what? I just paid this motherfucker. He's like, man, I'm going to call them motherfuckers right now. He's like, you know what? I got all these anyway. Don't even worry about all that. I came to see you. And at first, she seems like she seemingly blowing him off like, whatever, dog. But like I said, well, I can't even call it Dirty Mac no more. It's just the game has commenced on her end. He ain't really Dirty mm-hmm. Mac she ain't fucking with your boy. Game like has changed. Exactly. And so next thing, you go back to the club. And you get the title because he's like, the song we're going to perform next is Mo Better Blues. And they play more better blues. There's <laughs> nothing else I can really say about that. But afterwards, though, Denzel finally, because he giant goes up to Denzel's like, look, I need a place to stay. He's like, how long? He's like, a while. And they get up there and they start talking. He's like, man, you my man's, I love you, but you fired. I'm going, I've been thinking about going and you know, managing myself. And then he tries to talk him into it, tries to talk him out of it. No, I got family, like we told before, we got family as a lawyer, we can do all these. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm done with your family. I'm done with you. You still my peoples, though. But business-wise, we done. He's like, you can mm-hmm. still stay here, though. It's fine. You just got to get some help. Exactly. And he tells you, like, I'm gonna look, I'm going to go handle that. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> but your man is feeling lonely, apparently, because he actually tries to holler at Indigo. He leaves her a voicemail. And she don't fucking respond. And then he tries to call Clark. <laughs> but in this scenario... Whereas, you know, Indigo was, she's a school teacher, so she looked like she in her grading papers or something. She's just like, I don't want to talk to this motherfucker. Shadow in there getting dicked. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, not Shadow, sorry. Clark is there getting dicked by Shadow. <laughs> That's a very different scene. Mm-hmm. But no, Clark is in there getting fucked by Shadow. And I remember Anita having a reaction. He was like ill or something because they have had the old school voicemail boxes where it's like, he's like, hey, it's bleak, you know, I just wanted to holler at you. And she's like, oh shit, she's reaching over to try and stop it. You know, probably thinking that's going to kill the mood. And he's like, no, I want to hear this. And so he's sitting there still stroking her up a little bit as Bleak is down there in the background begging mm-hmm. to get a piece of that loving. And your boy Shadow always loving that shit. Because mm-hmm. he's like smiling and everything. He starts thrusting and gyrating that penis all up in her. He's like, yeah, that nigga over there crying while I'm fucking. So there you he's go. Said, so, he's like, I'm loving it. He's feeling that salty nigga anthem. 
oh, it's coming. <laughs> right next scene. Because as they're getting ready, this another night goes by. They're about to start playing again. And right when Bleak gets there, uh, Giant tells him, he's like, hey, man, I know I ain't your manager no more, but I got to tell you, Shadow's boning Clark. And he's like, what? And he does a little, of course, this is audio pocket. You can't see, but he does the thing. He like thrusts his arm forward like a punch. <laughs> and and he he does a like Spike Lee or Giant does the full thrust and and Denzel does like kind of like a half one like looking at him confused like this he's like no dick no he in there he he deep in that vagina and your boy plays it off he like oh, man that's not it's all right man let me go ahead and uh, get up in this shit, bro. but then as he's walking up the hallway Shadow comes up behind him <laughs> and we get to break it out folks mm-hmm. he tried to play it off with his boy but he can't play it off now. Because the dude that's fucking one of his girls, in his mind, I guess, he comes up and he's like, hey, man, uh, we need to talk about that money situation again. And he's like, man, get the fuck away from me, bro. He's like, what you mean? No, nah, no, nah, we got to talk about this. Ain't nobody playing until we get this motherfucking money situation figured out. And he's like, man, get the fuck out of my face. And he shoves him against the wall. And of course, Shadow shoves him back. And then Denzel's character put him in a fucking headlock and everybody had to come break him up and everything. And he's like, yo, you motherfucker, you fired. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. Anybody else that want to be with him, fuck y'all too. All of y'all fired. And I love because Bill Nunn's character, can't remember his name, unfortunately, but he's the over there like, look, we got to get paid, bro. Like, I need look, to figure this I, shit out. Yeah, I need money. So, yeah. Um, him and Giancarlo actually are like, yo, what the fuck, bro? Like, what we going to do here? So Shadow gone from the group. The other three stay there because, again, they want their money, but... Because of the saltiness, like I said, he tried to play it cool. But then when that brother that's fucking his girl is face to face with him, we cue the anthem. <laughs> right at the beat drop. Damn, I'm good. But yeah, so he's gone from the group now. Fight happens. And then Giant goes to the bathroom, taking a piss. And while he's taking a piss, there was a dude in there with him, but he leaves. And when he leaves, like slowly up above the top of the stars, you see Samuel Jackson and another homie like mm-hmm. sneak up. It's like, oh shit. It's like shit. it's like they was playing GoldenEye, Chris, on Nintendo 64. They killed that star. <laughs> <laughs> and they immediately grab your boy. And they give no fucks. They carry his ass out the back door through the fucking crowd. Like everybody can see what's happening. Ain't nobody doing shit though, because they probably know who these people are. Mm-hmm. And he's yelling, like, Blake! Blake! But Bleak is up there playing his song. You could tell, like, he's not ignoring him. You could tell your boy is distraught. Like, he wants to go do something, but he wants to, he doesn't want to stop playing his song. So he's got mm-hmm. like this look in his eye, like, fuck, fuck, what do I do type look. But he did, he does finish the song. I did laugh because you could tell he's like trying to hurry up and go through it. So he starts playing super fast. And you see my man's on the bass trying to keep up. And then my man's on the drums is going ape shit trying to keep up with him. But when he does finally finish the song, he just immediately like drops the shit out of his mouth and runs to the back. Because while the whole time while he was still playing, your boy been getting the shit beat out of him. Like yeah, they, they was going ham on him. They beat the brakes off this motherfucker. And then when mm-hmm. he gets out there, like your boy, like Spike or Giant got the, the eye jammy, like swole up his mouth. He's like His face looked distorted. It looked like Martin in that fucking episode with Tommy Hearns when he got his ass beat for the Martin I'm surprised he wasn't fucking dead after this shit. You, that's it. you would think almost that Anita was right. Yeah. They don't kill him, though. Well, that's the thing. The one homie with him is like, man, look, I don't kill my fellow brothers, but I'm going to fuck you up or something like that. He's like, I ain't going to kill you, though. So they end up throwing, they like beat him up and throw him into the garbage. And then fucking Bleak comes out there and is like checking on his mans. And 
the dude, like him and the dude and Sam were like talking and cracking jokes and fucking bleach steals on the other dude and Samuel Jackson like, oh word, blah. And he's like, oh motherfucker, you stupid as hell for doing that. And they start beating the shit out of him. And Denzel tries to block one of the punches with the trumpet. And, Den- and like, uh, yeah. Sam Jackson hits it. And he's like, oh, mother. He's like, give me that motherfucking horn. Snatches out his hand and like hits him in the face with it like three times. Like hard as fuck. Busts his whole top lip open and everything. Mm-hmm. And then when everybody starts coming out, they kind of throw it back down at him. And they like get up out of there. And then, because like Chris said earlier, they still, they got beef. But that's still my homie. So uh, Wesley Snipes and them come out there and even though he was just fighting him in the hallway, Shadow and them were like, yo, man, somebody get some help, man. That's my brother down here. You know, all that type of shit. Just the next time you see Denzel's character, he in the fucking hospital. The, the club the club owners were even trying to get him to go back in there like, hey, go back in here. We got it. You still got a set left. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a shot too. And I, I love the way the shot is put together to shout to Ernest Dickerson, the cinema photographer on this movie. Because you see the owners know they're fucked. Like they just pretty much lost their big act. Because there's a shot where the, the the club is like getting shut down or whatever. Not shut down, but it's going down for the night and they're shutting down all the lights. And as they're just sitting there at the table by themselves. And each as each light goes off, it gets more and more dark until there's just one final spotlight and it's shining right on them. And then that light goes out, pretty much signifying they're done probably. So yeah, Bleak is in the hospital. You could, His face is fucked. And I, this is a weird little scene. I don't, maybe you guys could tell me a little bit about what's popping off here really. But the dad is sitting there talking and he's basically giving him props for like fighting as a kid and shit. Basically, he's like, you know, when you was a little dude, man, you used to, I used to watch you from the window getting in all these fights and your mama would try and be like, oh, you know, go out there. He need to quit fighting. He's like, nah, you know, it kind of made me proud to see you standing up for yourself. He said at the end, like, <laughs> what you trying to, what you defending, giant at the time? Forgot about that line. So I guess that is what it is. Like, every time you get your ass beat, because you're dealing with it this motherfucker. has mama. something to do with him. He is the problem. I mean, he is not the problem. I don't want to blame another adult. Like, Bleak is a grown up. He can... Choose your friends wisely. That's true. Choose mm-hmm. your friends wisely. Like choose wisely. You don't have to be his friend. He's obviously someone who doesn't have a good effect on your life. So why are you putting him at the forefront of your life in the first place? Yeah. And he's got you in the hospital. Crazy, your whole uh, it's, it's, might as well fuck spoilers. We at the end of the movie, pretty much anyway. But he just fucked your whole career. <laughs> yeah. Dealing with this bullshit. And there's really no. What, do you, what would you say? Like, no come up in or some shit? There's enough, that character never has to deal with that either, really, seemingly. No, there's I guess no consequences, consequences to his actions. There's like one, one um, tiny, tiny ass scene at the end, but it really doesn't affect him very much. But we'll get to it because, like I said, we're we'll, we'll, we going to get through the movie because I think the movie, there's going to be more after movie talk than the movie talk because I got some shit here. But mm-hmm. you jump one year later. Oh, I'm sorry. Before you jump, you just cut the bleak. He's out of the hospital, but you can tell he's like kind of losing it. He's going through it because he's just laying on the floor and it's a bunch of his records because it's got his face and name on him. He's laying there and he's like got the reel to reel tape and he's like unreeling it and he's like talking to himself and he's like putting it like under his arm. He's doing all kind of weird shit on the ground. And then there's a scene where he's just sitting in the bed, just staring off into the distance. And I guess they play a conversation that must have had happened at some point between him and Indigo or Indigo again tells him to fuck off basically. (laughs) And I don't know if that happened post-hospital or pre-hospital, but at some point, he's reflecting on that. And that comes back later. A year later, in fact, because we jump a year after all of that. And Bleak is walking up the street, going to a real nice, fancy-looking-ass restaurant or something. And Giant is actually standing at the front door. And he's like, yo, man, there ain't nobody seen you in about a year, man. I guess so. he's been in seclusion for about a year. And he's like, yo, he was worried about you, man. That's not okay to leave somebody... Somebody's been through that kind of shit to le- just leave them to themselves for a year. That 
he he had to have gone through some some mental fucked up shit in his in his head going for being by himself like that for a year. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm saying he was there curled up on the floor, damn near probably field position, just laying on his records and shit. And you do see, I don't know about John, but there are characters that say they reached out to him and they just never heard from him. So he's just ignoring everybody except for his pops. He did say his pops was there with him. Mm. But he tells him, he's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm the door. Giant says, I'm the doorman now. So that's pretty much what he's doing. And he says, like, hey, you going inside? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's I talk to, to Shadow. He's got to go to meetings once a week. There you go. Yes, he do know he, he is getting help. And uh, Bleak is telling him, like, yo, I'm going to go in here and talk holler at Shadow. You know, I've been talking to him about possibly, you know, getting on the stage, doing some music with him. He's like, all right, bet. He's like, I'll walk in with you. And when they walk in there, um, Clark is actually on stage. It's because it's the same. It's Shadow and the same three other homies. and But they got Clark in there. Clark pretty much replaced Bleak in his quartet. And she's singing mm-hmm. a song called Harlem Blues. And I think Cinder Williams is actually really singing this song. And they make sure you know it because she sings the whole goddamn song. Yeah, she her singing is not bad. <laughs> no. The lyrics are just garbage. Oh, you don't like the lyrics? The lyrics are doo-doo. No, I didn't think her singing was that great. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, so, it wasn't. She, this, I, it didn't have, I don't know. I don't think the, sorry, Chris. Uh, the I think the effect that they were going for, for us to be like, oh my gosh, like this is such a, like amazing like moment for mistake. her. Like I just didn't. It didn't. It didn't resonate with me at all. Uh, like she could. She could have been a decent singer, but she, like I said, they, the lyrics were just doo doo. You sound like fucking Charlie Gabriel. Brown from Leaders of the New School in Scenario. He's like, the rest are doo doo. Did you say they are just <laughs> these lyrics are dog shit. You know, it's funny because we watched this with the subtitles. I think it's the first time I ever watched this with subtitles. And I, I didn't necessarily think they were doo-doo, but I was reading them as she was singing them, and I was like, kind of like, yeah, the lyrics. I thought they weren't great either. I will say that. Mm-hmm. So I do kind of agree with you. And there were times where I did notice. I guess I'm in the middle with both of y'all, because I didn't think she was the worst, but I did notice. I heard that voice crack a couple times, I will mm-hmm. say. But mm-hmm. movie-wise, Bleak is watching this, and he's probably in his mind thinking like, damn, you know, this, this could have been me. This could have been us. You know, I could have not had probably most of that bullshit happen if I just let her go up there and sing. And we met, you know, the what could have been type shit. Yeah, that could have been his life. Like he like he's looking at them thinking like that could have been my girl. We could have been on stage with our band doing the same thing. But he's too hard headed out here. He's like too like as a girl. He's it. You always thinking about yourself. You've let all this other shit go by. And the one person you always were thinking about is the person that just got your ass beat up in the alley. Like I need to say, you got to choose wisely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But after that, though, you know, Shadow eyes him in there. They all cool now because Shadow, what the fuck, he got to be mad about anymore? He like shit. I'm doing what I wanted to do. Uh, I got the girl. Yeah, I got the band. I got your fucking band. <laughs> I basically stole your name. It ain't the Bleak Quartet. It's just the Shadow Quartet. He didn't even change that shit very much. But he's like, you know what? We are cool. You know, he did come to his aid after he got beat up. And I still got love for you. So fuck it, man. Come up on stage, Denzel. At this point, he got. He you could tell his lip is fucked up. But uh, he goes up there and he breaks out the trumpet and he starts singing. Or not singing, sorry. He starts playing. <laughs> and it's it's all right at first. But then as it goes on, it starts coming off key a lot. And then it gets worse. And then you start hearing the crowd start going, oh, they're rumbling. The crowd's about, oh, almost booing. They're probably getting their tomatoes ready. And then Shadow just has to step in and like cover for him. He just starts playing right beside him. And your boy Bleak just puts his trumpet down and just says, fuck it. Doesn't say it. He says no words. He just puts it down and walks out. And there's a shot of Clark looking sad, like, damn, man. He hands it to, to Giant. He, Giant's mm-hmm. like, come on, man. That could happen to anybody. You, you can, you'll you do it again. You rest, I'm not dog. feeling it. Yeah, he dramatically runs out into the rain and gives Giant his trumpet. 
Yeah, he had a hat and an actual full body raincoat. He does not put either of those things on. He just walks outside in the pouring ass rain. And as Chris said, he hands the trumpet to Giant and just walks off into the rain. And Giant's like, I'm not going to sell it. In the rain, he ends up going over to Indigo's house. And it's super late at night, apparently, because he's like banging on the wind, banging on the door. He ends up like crawling over to the window. He's like banging on the window. And she like in her full nightgown of tired and like turning on lights like, who the fuck is at my door, bro? <laughs> And again, she hasn't heard from him in a year, so she legitimately probably doesn't know who the fuck this is at her door banging on it all crazy. Right. And then he comes in, and he commences to doing fucking Omega-level begging. <laughs> like, begging, simping, whatever you want to call it. He is trying his damnness. He's like, not even, I can't say if he's like half apologizing. He's not even fully apologizing either. He's just kind of like saying I random made my shit. Choice. It's you. <laughs> I want you to be with me. Anita has thoughts. So let's go. No, that wasn't a choice. It was she was his last resort. You know what? <laughs> Let, let's go ahead. Fuck it. Because I was thinking about it afterwards, and it, that this movie I'm gonna mention came out nine years after this. It's basically the love and basketball thing all over again. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing I complained about in Love and Basketball. There was no choice being made. Love and basketball is not a happy fucking ending. No. It's not. That is a terrible fucking ending for that whoever Sonai Lathan's, I don't know what her name was, but that character is not a good ending for her. You are the consolation prize or whatever the fuck. Like, you are second place. Your boy Bleak just went down there and embarrassed himself in front of all them people and his old crew and the girl he was like, honestly, I think of the two, the one he fucked with the most. Yes. So, you're here. He wanted her. He went there and looked at embarrassed himself looked at their little dream life of what he could have been and then ran to his second choice unlike sonai lathan in love and basketball I for all she's like fuck no get the fuck out and he's trying he's like look man i want to i want to have a son with you you know i want to marry you he sound like dj collar i want to marry you and shit <laughs> and she's like get the fuck out of here and then, and I wonder, man, but then again, it's Spike. So I don't think he would have had nobody really up his ass about this. But I swear, this feels like such a rewritten ending, bruh. But she's, she gives in. I don't think there's another fucking term for it. She just says, fuck it. She gives up on her stance and everything. And she kisses him back. See, this is where I'm thinking, like, it's been a whole fucking year. And you haven't found somebody else yet? And I you expect- haven't talked to her in that entire year. She's been reaching out to you. She's like, I've been calling you. I've been trying to get a hold of Knocked you. Knocked on your door. Check up on you. Like, make sure you're okay. Nothing. But this is the woman that you care about that you can literally go a whole year without speaking to? No, I was I was expecting... Um- I was expecting her her to have uh, um, another dude come out come out and be like, "What's going on here?" That would have been the best. That would have been a better. I would have fucking loved that ending if that's really what happened. Because just to get it out the way, and then we could talk more about it. But she she gives in, she gives up, she says fuck it, and they kiss. And then it does a fucking like the like how the third Lord of the Rings movie just keeps fucking ending over and over and over. It keeps yeah. going. This does the same exact thing. It just keeps right. ending. It will. It just has five endings. You know they about to start fucking. He like picks her up and they go up to the room. And they fucking or whatever. And then you get a shot of like the skyline and everything. And then there's like it pans over a little bit and you see she's standing there with her stomach out. She's pregnant now, and he's holding her from behind and it kind of fades. And you think, oh, that's. The ending, okay, he just got her pregnant, they're going to have a family and all that. But no, now it's a wedding happening. And it's like, oh, okay, all right, so you got the wedding and that's cool. 
Now a baby's being born with full fucking vagina and hoping in the camera. That, like that was out in that field. <laughs> I thought because Anita had went to the kitchen at this point. I was like, oh, they just showed full vagina and with baby coming out of it. That was a real fucking shot. <laughs> so we, me and Chris, got to see like a baby being pushed out. Yeah, I did not appreciate that. Hey, Chris, one day you're probably going to look at it in person. So you might as well get life. Used to it. That's right. Never wrong with a little bit of pussy. But after that, it's t- <laughs> it still goes on. Because now you're getting a, basically a fatherhood montage of the baby being little and them two, you know, raising them and going out and playing with them, going to school and everything. And then it goes on to another scene <laughs> where it basically comes full circle back to the beginning of the movie. And now, you know, whereas he was a kid, had been taught and everything, it's the same thing. Another group of kids are coming to the house and it looks like the same fucking house even. So maybe he inherited his... Oh, maybe the dad passed away and he inherited the house or something. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Because he's not, Dick Anthony Williams is gone at this point. You don't see him again. He's back in the house and the kids are like, yo, oh, what's his name? Miles. I'm sure he's named after Miles Davis. Yo, Miles, come to the window or come outside. And she comes up to the window now and is telling him like, hey, man, quit all that damn yelling. He in here doing his lessons. And so she goes over there and tells him like, hey, look, you can go outside and play once you go out there. I mean, once you finish your lessons and all that. And he's like, but I don't want to go. He's kind of talking to her the same way that bleak did when he was a kid but i guess the big difference is and the change in the circle that's going on here is he's like you know what go on outside and play with your friends it's all right and she's like well you got problem he's like you know let him go have some fun man let him be hang out with his friends have fun maybe he won't turn out like i did and then they have the shot where he runs outside and then they go to the window and like sit out there and they the camera pans out as he watches the kids go run off and play together and then as the camera's going down the street there's a girl playing with chalk and then she just wrote the words, the end in the street. And then it fades away. And that is the end of Mo' Better Blues. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk more about this ending, I'm sure, once we get into these scores. But first, we're going to play promo, play some ads, and we'll be right back for that ass. Wow, you look great. You loud. Thanks. It's because I've been listening to the So Wizard podcast. So Wizard Podcast, that's that weekly nerdy movie review and news podcast, right? That's right, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. They even have a YouTube channel, too. Hey, I'm going to go listen to So Wizard Podcast right now. Four nerds with the weekly podcast and a YouTube channel about movies. Check out So Wizard Podcast today at SoWizardPodcast.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so I'm going to do something I don't do very often. I'm going to go first. Oh. I do enjoy this movie. And the one thing, because I brought this up multiple times, that's why I'm going to go first, just so we can talk about it. But the thing that me and PJ always would disagree on this movie, I fucking hate the ending of this movie. Yeah. I despise the ending. Of, I hate I hate the ending of this movie, bro. <laughs> me and PJ, because PJ likes it. And he's like, oh, but it's, you know, you get to see him change and he got his family and he's raising his kid to be. Family. I'm like, family. But I'm like, <laughs> fuck, it's not earned. It's not deserved. His character does not, not- deserve this ending at all, mm-hmm. in my opinion. See, I'm on the same line as, P- as PJ about certain things about um, like happy endings and that kind of shit. But I'm with you on this. It's not earned. He doesn't, it comes out of nowhere. I'm it was. It's entra- This ending is entrapment, basically. Damn, I I, I didn't think of that word, but shit. It now it feels like if honestly, it's just like like I said, like with love and basketball. I feel bad for the woman because it's like you were second place so hard in this movie. Like if if he had never got his ass beat, I, I take it back. Even if he got his ass beat, but they just didn't mm-hmm. fuck his lips up. Mm-hmm. I. Bet you he would have went to her first and tried to smash and try and mm. even though Shadow had already been fucking the shit out of her, so maybe he might not have been able to. But I bet right. he that's who he'd have went to first. Oh, he wouldn't have given up. That's the, yeah, exactly. So no, so, it's, it's yeah. I feel bad because you're the whole time she's like, no, no, fuck you, no, go away, and then it just out of nowhere, it's like you know what, fuck it. He basically Stockholm syndromes her into, <laughs> into fucking loving her. Right, fucking loving him. Real shit. Like I hate the way this movie ends, man. Because honestly, like, and I, that's the thing is, I know Spike Lee didn't probably want. I mean, he had just did do the right thing and had the like more downbeat type ending, so maybe he didn't want to do that type of thing again. But there's a reason why do the right thing is so fucking great and loved because it's, mm-hmm. it felt realistic in that way. You don't always got happy endings, and I know people always say, "Oh man, why you always want black movies to have bad endings, man? We can't." I mean, they don't always have to. I don't always want black dude to have bad endings. Damn it. It makes I'm, me want to look up the um, look up IMDb trivia trivia for this one to see if, if he might. Was, there wasn't a lot. There okay. was barely any trivia. Uh, on if it, he was pressured into it into a studio. No, I, honestly, I don't think Spike Lee was getting pressured from shit. I think this is this is Spike Lee as fuck. I don't think he. I think this is just he how he wrote it. Maybe I, he changed I, it at some point on his own, but I no, I don't think it was no studio pressure this time. I think this is really what he wanted to do. I just don't like it. Like the, I like the movie. I will say like. I'm just to get it out the way now. I'm giving it an eight out of ten. That's what I gave it before on Letterboxd when I watched it. I'm gonna give it an eight. I do like that. It would have probably been higher if it wasn't for that fucking ending. But I hate the ending. And then, like I said, it just keeps going on and on too. <laughs> it's like I already am not happy with this decision that she made, and then you keep fucking showing me more of it. Bro. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe by the time the kid got to the trumpet lessons, maybe Denzel has been treating her better, and maybe I don't know. But it just don't feel earned. The, movie, the way this movie should have ended is that she should have told him to fuck off. He should have went back out there in the rain and he should have walked the fuck home up the street by himself, rolled the goddamn credits. That's what should have happened. Been a, there should have been a dude up in her room like, what the fuck's going on here? And Anita's ending, like you said. Honestly, I, don't, I didn't I didn't even need that. I don't even need her to have to have moved on to another dude or not. I just needed her to tell him to fuck off, push him out the door, whatever she had to do. And you could show Denzel Washington's character walking up the street, sad having to live with the decisions he's made this whole maybe goddamn go to movie. some therapy you know it should have you know what it could have it could have even did like 
it's the five heartbeats type ending where it's like years have gone by now you gray up his hair a little bit give him a mustache or something what are they now there you go maybe during another performance or something he go visit shadow and them or something again and maybe this time he can play a little bit better or something maybe if you wanted to give it a slightly happy ending but the brent ending would be this motherfucker is on the road by himself in the rain sad and then he can go back to his fucking room or something. I don't know. But that's how it, it always feels like. Because it feels like that's the ending it's setting you up for. It feels like this is not a happy ending. It mm. feels like you're about to be sad leaving this theater. And maybe that's why Spike didn't want to do it. But it felt super fake and forced that he got to have the kid and the wedding and all that shit. It's, it's not realistic, Spike. Or is it? There's a lot of girls that settle for dumbass, weak-ass niggas. I mean. But I don't know, man. I synced it in real life, and I feel bad it for does, those people it too. Is, but it isn't, <laughs> huh? It is, but it isn't. Well, tell me your thoughts, Chris. Like I said, I'm giving it an eight. I just hate the fucking ending. What do you think? So I'm right along, right there along with you with that ending. Uh, not much more to say about that, but other than that, the re- the rest of the movie, I honestly did not like anybody in this movie. Damn, not one character. Shadow was a piece of shit. Damn. Um. Indigo was probably the closest person I felt some kind of sympathy. I was going to say, not even her. Like, of anybody, that's the one I would think. <laughs> but she still went along with the bullshit, so. That's that ending, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. Makes so, you lose love for her, too, huh? <laughs> and, like, Clark was kind of, was just flip-floppy in the first place, seemed like to me. Because as soon as Shadow tried to, uh, was talking to her up, she was thinking about it too hard. Mm-hmm. So well, she had feelings for old boy Bleak, but Bleak was on that bullshit, bro. I mean, and she's entitled to be talked up to by some other man when the guy that Uh-oh. she is fucking is fucking someone else. That's true. So what is? It's not like she was tied down to him. He made that very clear. Yeah, it's not. They it's were not, not exclusive. Open. It's not, it's not her fault on that. Is Bleak is the one I don't like the most because he's just, is the most aimless motherfucker I've ever seen. It's just like he he knows what he wants music wise, but he just does not know what he want, about wants. Say, in life. I wouldn't say aimless because his aim is just it's just all he he's, he has one aim, mm-hmm. and that's it. He has no other aspirations or goals other than that, and that's why he's so fucked at the end of this movie. <laughs> that's right. why he has to change his whole fucking life. His whole life is like, oh, I want to do music. Fuck everything else. Oh, I can't do music anymore. Fuck it. You look good. Get in. Let's go. Like, <laughs> fuck, man. It's love right. and basketball all over again, damn it. And everybody else just, I really, I I was just all right with. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if this was shit was playing in the background. And I'm, I'm cool with it. It's not bad. It's not a bad movie. It's just like, I just don't, I just found everybody kind of un, unlikable. unlikable. <laughs> so would you give it out of 10? I'm between two numbers. Oh. That's not worth the hustle bump. I'll give it a six. Okay. That's about what I figured you was going to. I will say, since I mainly talked about the ending, character-wise, honestly, my favorite character in this whole movie, is going to be so stupid, is Bill Nunn character, the guy that's playing the bass. My yeah. dude that was like, man, yo, chill out, man. I'm, need, I'm trying to get, I need to get paid. He just, he just trying to get paid and mind his own damn business. He just chilling in the background doing his thing, playing the bass. He like, I just want to get paid, man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't fuck with none of this other shit y'all talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's the one I, he's the one I fucks with too, the most. <laughs> but the actual movie outside of the ending, though, like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of jazz music, so I like the jazz performances too. Mm-hmm. You never give me to say nothing bad about that. Right. And then, like I said, the love, st- I like aspects of the love story leading up to the ending that I hate. 
Like I said, the yeah. scene where it's him like trying to go back and forth. I love the way that shot. That's mainly Ernest Dickerson too. The way he filmed it with the lighting and everything too. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of shots. You get you get multiple Spike Lee shots in this movie. You don't know what I'm talking about the scenes where it's like the actors in the the foreground and the background is like moving behind them and shit. Like you get several of those. One of them is goofy though. I will say there's a part where Giant is like. Walk. We didn't really talk about this because it really didn't matter much. But he's walking up the sidewalk and he sees the bookie is actually sitting in the car with some thumb breakers and they're talking about how they're gonna fuck him up. And there's like a shot where it zooms in on him and he tilts his hat down and turns. That part is fine. I actually love that shot. But then there's a shot where it goes flips around to show him walking away and it looks goofy because he's tilting his hat and he's just like swaying his shoulders around to make it look like he's walking. I that shit is dumb. I don't like that part of the shot. He should have. It's almost like you couldn't get another take. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, just don't even do that part. You had this big zoom in with him, like pulling it down and turning. That shit looked perfect. Just cut it there. You didn't even need the second part. So it's little things like that. But I do enjoy the movie. Like, it's not mm-hmm. one of my favorite Spike Lee movies, but like I said, I, I get an A. I do like it. I enjoy it. I remember when I first I, saw I it. I like even. it. Like, is it, if, if it didn't look slick and then, like I said, like you said, the music was on point, it would got it would have got lower. Mm-hmm. But act, but it looks slick in the movie, and the music is pretty is on point with them for all, most of the movie. It's just that ending, and I don't like anybody in this movie. I can see that. Nah, I, I understand for real. So I remember when I first saw this, I actually was in high school. We watched this in school. Now it's like mm-hmm. a reporter, but they just showed it to us one day because we just mm-hmm. watch black movies sometimes. And I was thinking like I love Spike Lee, but I never. I always skipped this one. I'm like, ah, oh, it's like a love story thing. I don't know. And I, at that time, I wasn't into jazz music either. At that time, so but this kind of like I said got me into it. And actually, like I remember when it went off, I probably would have gave this like a nine or a ten back then. I loved it back in high school. But then mm-hmm. I but I also didn't have as big problem with the ending and all that shit back then either. As I got right. older, watching it, you then that's think when about it the ending as, in an older mindset. Yeah. You're like, Fuck this ending. Like that one time me and PJ watched it when I was in my more like mid 20s and shit. And we, we, that's when the debate happened where we was like, he was some. I'm like, man, that shit dumb. So, like I said, when we did Love and Basketball, I think we kind of had a similar debate too. I can't remember the name of episodes a while ago, but yeah, man. Like I said, it, it fell from when I first saw it, but I do still enjoy it. Actually, maybe not want to go, not want to watch Love and Basketball. Sorry about that. <laughs> It's just funny that I talked all that shit about that movie and Criterion released it on Blu-ray like a month or two later. I was like, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but she wanted me to give her some time and we gave her a lot of time, Chris. So now the fun part. The moment of truth. What is Anita thinking about Mo Better Blues? Isn't that Mo Better, Mo Better? No. Um, oh. I agree with you both okay. in the sense that the ending was so unrealistic and that was not how it should have ended. I don't think that anyone learned their lesson no from this whole movie and that was really annoying to me like it's like okay well what was what was the point i agree with chris i had no investment like the parts where i should have felt sad for certain characters i didn't i was like well you that was something that you did that led you to this point so these are your consequences it's not like anything happened to anyone unfairly and i felt like i was supposed to feel sad for them like it was set up like i was supposed to be like oh oh no mm-hmm. that sucks like yeah had zero of those feelings for anyone the purse the best characters or people in this were the girls yeah i can see that but also in what's his name in denzel's defense oh yeah bleak he was very clear from the beginning yeah. that he was messing around. So there was no, no one was led astray. Bamboozled. <laughs> no one was bamboozled. 
I just, I don't know. I just, I get, I like the movie. I just like, there are just bits and pieces of it that just did not resonate with me at all. I just didn't, and none of it really made sense. Like it wasn't co- a cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of it was good. The music was good. The acting was great. Mm-hmm. But the story just didn't make sense. The script wasn't great. No. And I don't understand what the point was. <laughs> Honestly, you know. Like, I, what I, was the moral of the story? I was thinking about it. And I think the, if I had to, I was, I can't, I was trying to think of how to word this shit. But it's like, I think the moral of the story was supposed to be that you can't put one thing above everything else. Because you, I don't, I, I don't, I guess it's hard to try and even say because I was trying to, when I, the movie finished, I was over here trying to think of like, what would the moral of this story be? And it's like, you know, oh, the whole thing, it was all about him. He would only put his music first. He wouldn't think about nobody else. And then once he stopped doing that and thought about other people, then he was able to have a family and a kid and be happy and all this other type of shit. I don't know. I can I, see, I do, I think that is the point that I would reach to for my own. But to me, that doesn't even make sense because it's like, okay, you don't put all of, you know, you don't dedicate all of this time to this one thing in your passions and mm-hmm. become obsessive with it. I get that. But it's like, so you just go and fixate on a relationship and now that's your only thing. I'm like, maybe if they were like, oh, now he's doing this instead. Like we got like more of a backstory to like what he was doing now after he played the trumpet horribly and then (laughs) ran to go get the girl after. Like, okay, it's like, what is he doing now? What is he focusing on? Like you just don't stop. And then now, so you're telling me he just invested everything into a relationship that's also not healthy either. So it just didn't, I don't know. I just, it didn't make any sense to me. I I didn't agree with the ending, like you said. The relationships in between, none of it just really made sense. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel, I didn't take anything away from it at all. From anyone, from any character, other than there was great acting and good music. Mm-hmm. So everything was up to par, but that plot. Yeah. And I you can know see how that. I feel about a plot. 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 <laughs> so I was like super debating this. I was like, I want to go last because like I need to hear you guys talk about it because I want to see if it changes my score at all. Oh. I could definitely watch this in the background, like I said, just for the music and the acting <laughs> and just, you know, scroll on my phone or like fill out my planner or something and just chill. But mm-hmm. this is not something that I would intentionally watch or show anyone else. So I'm going to give it a five. Five. So better than B Street, I say. PJ's heart is so broken right now. At these <laughs> Probably. He'll be fine with the eight. I'm and sure. I love Denzel. You know yeah. I love mm-hmm. me some Denzel. That's why you wanted to see it in the first That's place. That's why I wanted to see it. I love him so much. But this just did not. He did great, but the this story didn't do it any justice. That's all I was saying before with Spike Lee. I think this this middle ground of movies between Do the Right Thing and, uh, Sp- uh, and Malcolm X. I think they both have similar issue. I've never seen Jungle Fever. It's one of the Spike Lee movies I actually need been mean to watch forever. But that's what came after this. And I've heard similar arguments with that movie to where it's not the best written. It's not the I've greatest. Seen of, I've seen pieces of Malcolm X. I've never seen all the way through. Oh, we can watch that one now. Like that one, that's a 10 plus. I don't spoil that shit right now. I got it on. I did a digital copy. We can watch that right now. That's three hours though. <laughs> but <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's a long ass movie. It was it was one of the ones that was on two VHS tapes back in the day, like Titanic and The Godfather uh, and shit. 
But yeah, no, nah, I think that's why I said there was a, like a little lull in between those movies because, like I said, do the right thing was fucking perfect. He's probably trying to fi- trying to figure out his his um his writing style with these movies. With well, the thing too with Spike Lee is that when it comes to him trying to and it's like, I love you, Spike, but I'm just saying when it comes to him writing like stuff that has to do with like women and relationship type stuff when he tries to write like the female perspective it's not great it's not great i don't know about the she's got to have a netflix series but the original movie he even is has like came out and said that he wouldn't have like done certain scenes in that movie the way he did now you know with the growth and all that shit because there's a few we reviewed that movie years ago but there's that scene in there where because that's what that whole movie was actually. it was just her fucking with multiple dudes mm-hmm. and there was the there was a scene he put in there where the one dude I guess is trying to come over to fuck and she like nah or something and I guess he's like man I'm tired of dealing yeah. with this shit and he like basically rapes her in you know so many words and he's even come out and said like yeah and then a similar thing because you haven't seen School Days I don't think uh-uh. but when remember Chris when we did School Days we all had problems with well I don't know about Cam- I can't remember what Cameron said but I know we, we had problems with how that movie ended because that it movie ends pretty fucked up. Yeah. Because and since we already reviewed it, I guess spoilers, but that movie ends where the whole thing is about, you know, fraternities and hazing and all that shit. And Spike Lee plays a character that's trying to get into the fraternity there. And his whole thing was like, okay, you know, you a virgin. So we, the head fraternity dude was like, all right, I need you to go fuck my girlfriend. And that's like your final thing you got to do. The girlfriend is not okay with this. Mm. And... It's actually Giancarlo Esposito too that's playing that character. Oh yeah, but Big Dean, Big Brother Almighty was his name. Big, Big Brother Almighty. There you go. But yeah, that scene happens and they go in there and then there's the scene where Spike Lee goes up to um, Lawrence Fishburne and was like, and it's like hype about it. He's like, yeah, man, it was good, bro. She was good. And l- rightfully, Lawrence Fishburne is like pissed because he's like, man, what? Don't come up there hyping that bullshit up to me. And then you think it's gonna be a scene where he about to go fight dude or step up to him, but that never happened. The movie just ends. Like Chris said, it ends with Lawrence Fishburne. I, I get the, it's one of those things where I get the message, Spike, but I wish he had written it a little bit better because it just ends with Lawrence Fishburne's character going outside and just yelling, wake up. And then all the characters come out there and they have like this self-reflective moment and him and the Dean Big Brother stand next to each other. The Dean Big Brother Almighty got tears coming down his eyes and Lawrence Fishburne looks into the camera and he's like, please wake up. And it's like, there's no real resolution, Spike. Right. I like. I get what you're saying. Like, it was all there. This was all, the whole ending. There was like message. That's it. That's it. it's like the the ending is like a message to us, but it's like for the characters in the movie, there's no ending really. <laughs> it's like, really? wait a minute. So it's the similar thing, kind of like here. Like I said, it's just sometimes the ending spike. You, you, I know you like writing. It's like, hey man, come here and read this ending and see what you think about this. Like, get your sister. Your sister's there. Like, what you think about this ending? It, honest to God, even to do the right thing. I know people that have problems with the way that movie ends. Where, you know, the whole thing was he burned down or, yeah, he started the actual riot because he threw that fucking uh, trash can through the window and you hey! And started the whole riot there. But then the movie ends where, you know, him and Sal, you know, face to face and he's throwing the money at him and he's like, yo, you only owe me this much. And then they just kind of cool after that. And then I've heard people complain about it. I, I never really have a problem with that anymore. I've heard people complain about it. Like, well, what? How they're not being mad anymore? You're not beating them? Like, I don't know, man. Sometimes the ending, they, people say all the time when you're writing, the ending is the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. And you can tell sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But that's the end of the episode, though, man. I'm, open. I'm guys. I'm surprised. I wondered if we was all going to be in agreement about it. I remember when the movie ended, Anita was like, we had some thoughts. And I was like, I do, too. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, you might have similar thoughts from. What I didn't saying. think that was gonna be your thought. Oh. Uh, but I agree with you. Oh, okay. What do you think I was gonna say? I thought you were gonna talk about the about giant. Oh. Relationship. No, honestly, when it come to him, he kind of got he went through all that bullshit. And what is he at the end of the day? He's a fucking doorman. So yeah. <laughs> He ends up probably being one of them doormans that's been sitting at that door for for years, mm-hmm. and nobody knows nobody knows his backstory except him. Right there at the bottom, after all that bullshit he did, so <laughs> whatever. But I got some Black History flashcards for that ass from the Urban Intellectuals, and today I'm going to tell you all about Matamba. Don't know when he was born, but they do know that he's still alive. He's from Bolivia. He's a roots reggae and hardcore rock artist and activist. Mm. Uh, Juan Carlos Chiriano Basuro, known as Matamba, is an Afro-Bolivian musician, producer, singer, lyricist, writer, and composer. He started singing in church and formed the band K-Rux with some of his church friends. After five years with K-Rux, Matamba established Contra Cultura, or Counterculture, which focuses on unifying people of all backgrounds. Matamba is also an environmental and educational activist working with Papel Ball, Educating youth about climate change and recycling. Matamba also spends time with anti-bullying campaigns. He calls his fans his brothers and sisters, and they are all part of his cultural movement to bring people together. Some of his hits include Stronger Than Pain and Tell Me About You. That is Matamba. Not familiar, but I'm about to look into what he sound like. Chris, they want to holler at you online and maybe share their opinions about Mo Better Blues with you. Where would they find you at online? All right. You can find me on Rx, Rx. at uh, ChrisCross0018. You can find me on um, Facebook at Chris Smith. And um, you can find me on Instagram and threads at tsmith0018. All right. Anita is out there like the truth. Anita's right here next to me if you want to know where she's at. Hey, hey. <laughs> sucks for y'all. Uh, <laughs> If you want to follow the show on Twitter or X, it is at capital H, capital V, capital H, capital P, lowercase I, cast, HVH podcast on Twitter, uh, Home Video Hustle podcast on Instagram, Home Video Hustle on Facebook, Home Video Hustle on YouTube. And if you want to support the show and get bonus episodes and pick movies for us to watch, you can do so at patreon.com slash home video hustle. Three tiers, $1 tier, $3 tier, whatever the fuck you want to give us tier. For as low as a dollar, you can get them bonus episodes. You get the full video recordings of the podcast that we record now, and they look and sound a lot better because we're using StreamYard now. And like I said, once we're out of the holidays, we're going back to the Patreon picks. We are going to blaze through all those goddamn Patreon picks so that you guys can finally, new patrons and old $3 patrons, you can finally get the new ones in. Mm-hmm. What we got to use, that will be in April and go moving forward. Because March and February are both Black History Month Marathon because fuck you. You're not going to give us the shortest month. We're taking two. Eat a dick. Uh, <laughs> we're black, y'all, and we're black, y'all. Black in the black, 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 y'all. God damn right. Speaking of it, we're ending the month. I was thinking about this. I was like, you know what? It's kind of crazy. This wasn't planned, but it's. I'm going to continue the trend. We started with a movie from the '70s. We continued a movie from the '80s. We just did a movie from the '90s. Let's do a movie from the 2000s. And I had a couple movies in mind, but. I think it's time, and this would probably be Anita's revenge on Brent for making uh-huh. her watch Beat Street. 
Uh-oh. I'm gonna play a song. I don't know. This is just the first song off the movie soundtrack. So you probably know it. I've never seen it, but I'm gonna play it and hopefully you'll know what movie this is. Yeah. Let's Yes, folks. You got served. I've never seen this shit before. <laughs> and like I said, it's pretty much our generation's version of Beat Street, probably. Because it's just motherfuckers dancing and shit with the of the current time hip hop or R and B, whatever. Chris apparently is not looking forward to this. <laughs> he said, yeah. fuck. Anita probably is. I can't wait. You know what? I'm going to ask this. I'm going to wait till we do the movies. I had a question for Nita. But I was going to say, like, of the boy groups, was it B2K for her? Or I, forget, I can't even remember. I have to do research and see what the other ones even were. I don't even fucking remember no more. Youngstown was one, wasn't it? Who? Was it when there were a boy band called Youngstown at, at the time? I know there's a city in Ohio called Youngstown. That's about it. Yeah. No, B2K was it, baby. Okay. We'll, well, we'll see. I've never seen it. They have. I have absolutely no childhood memory with this movie. I have avoided it for, I can't say 33 because it wasn't that old. I have avoided it for at least 20 fucking years. But the time for avoiding is over now because of the fucking home video hustle. Mm -hmm. So next week you got served. It's streaming somewhere. I have a DVD and a fucking digital copy of it. I paid money for it so we might as well watch shit anyway. So that's how we're going to end. Like I said, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, baby. Let's keep it on going. It was going. It was honestly. I might as well just say it now since we're already saying what we're doing. It was between you got served, Baby Boy, Hustle and Flow, and Four Brothers. Those were the movies I was deciding. Between. Ooh, those are some good picks. <laughs> For Baby Boy, you would have had to. You had. We would have had to try to get Cameron here. Yeah, that's the, you know honestly, God, that's the thing. I was like, well, Baby Boy, we we need Cameron. He has to tell me he can be on the phone. You had to get Cameron one. here. He got to be there. But Four Brothers, I've never seen before. So that was why Four that Brothers. Was I've seen. I don't think I've seen before, but I've seen like pieces of it. Never seen Hustle and Flaw. I've seen many times. Uh, that's one I have not seen. I've seen all these movies. I bet. Well, it's our era now. Like I said, we're two thousands. We were up and able to watch movies at that time period. It ain't like night when this came out. We weren't. None no, of us were born. I was like born. going to the movies with my friends. <laughs> yep. And I was too, but not to see you got served. <laughs> what year was you guys? Was that two thousand four or two thousand two? How far back was that? Cause that means we would have been like, if it was 2002, we'd all been like 11. Well, me and her would have been like 11. You'd been like 10, Chris. You got served 2004. Okay, so we was 13. So yeah, yeah I could definitely see you going to the movies with your friends. Go, oh my God, it's Omarion. Oh my God. Walk. There was a Regal right down the street. No, it was a Kokorian right down the street. We used to walk right up the hill, go to the movies, get a boba. It was a great time. And it's a Subway sandwich. I'm like some California shit. Get a boba. <laughs> get a boba, a Subway sandwich, and go to the movies. That sounds like some Well, you know what, man? It's oh well, shit. I was right. Twenty fucking years ago is when this came out. So this well, twenty years of Brent not being oh angry and against this movie so much. Will it soften me? Will I actually enjoy? Can I enjoy this movie even as a bad movie? Because I'm sure it's a bad movie. Can yeah, I get that mystery perfect. science theater fun out of it? We'll find out. Because I can tell you for right, legitimately, I'm not gonna like this movie. I already know. But I, we'll see if I got some I had, fun with it. I had the same reaction with this Christmas. Like, I thought it was going to be a bad. It's like going to be horrible, but it it kept me intrigued because because the the drama was drama in a little bit. Yeah, because in this Christmas I wouldn't even call it a bad movie. It was actually pretty good. Like I was thinking the same thing with that movie, but I don't know if this is going to give me a this Christmas reaction, Chris. I don't. <laughs> I don't know, no. man. No. 
We'll find out though. But you know, this is one of those black gaps that I've had for a long time. I've been meaning to feel. I just never wanted to, I've never wanted to sit down and watch this fucking movie. This I ain't stomped the yard, drumline. I've never seen any of these movies. I yeah, I've seen Drumline and yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Stop stomp the yard, I haven't seen either. That was actually one I didn't think about, but that also would have fit the year. I could have Drumline was that same era too. I could have threw oh, that in yeah. there. Yeah, Drumline's a good one. But Drumline, you would have you would like Cameron Drumline more. Rage. I need no. That's I need Cameron here for Drumline too. He has to be here for Drumline at some point. So maybe whenever. I, I don't because I, I don't think he. I don't, did he not? He didn't like that movie. Did Cameron loves Drumline? That's such a good well, for movie. a while he loved it. Then and I think it did turn into hate. Oh, I don't. I don't. If it turned to hate, I don't remember. But I know he will watch that shit. He would always watch this. Or he would always watch Friday, Drumline, and Mortal Kombat. Those was his three movies. He always mm-hmm. kept in rotation. So he got to be here for that one. But you got served it was Andrew's movie. Maybe I'll call Andrew while we're recording if he answers to see if he can give us his review. Because he the one that gave me the DVD anyway. So. Yeah. We'll see next week, folks. I'm sure people will be looking forward to hearing me talk about that one. <laughs> but until then, I just got one thing left to tell everybody. I'm Brent. I'm Chris and help! <laughs> Anita. Let's get it. Uh, uh, hold on. Hold on. I didn't know about this. Let's turn that shit down for a second. Hold on. Did y'all know there's a sequel to You Got Served? That came I'm out in sorry? 2011? I'm sorry? Did you know that? No. It's called You Got Served colon beat the world. Three dance crews prepare to do battle at the international beat the world competition in Detroit in the final showdown to become world champions lifelong. Whoa. In the final showdown to become world champions, lifelong hopes, dreams, and even lives are at stake. That was really weirdly written. But looking at that cover though, Chris, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. It's like one of those generic sequels like they did for, uh, I've never seen that. Was it, uh, that, that, uh, just fighting movie. I can't remember what it's called. Um, cage match movie with um, Michael Jai White. I can't remember. Uh, ne- then never back never down. Back, never back down. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. It's it's like a it's like how they did a generic sequel. With the only person they brought back for was Michael Jai White. Well, I can tell you now. I would just scroll through the castes of you got served too. I don't know who any of these fucking people are. <laughs> so. You know what? Maybe that'd be Brent's Revenge. Y'all made me watch the first one. Y'all gonna watch the second one at some point, too, then. We need to never back down at some point. That, that shit was... That we shit need was to do Undisputed at some point. That would have been a good one Hell for Black yeah. History Month. The first one. Oh yeah. Was this nice and Ving Rhames in jail fighting? Yeah, no, nah, we gotta watch that at some point. With Hell Columbo yeah. there, too? Uh, yeah, nah. One day. But first is You Got Served. Next week. Come back. And see how this shit go. Peace. Peace.